0: Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, editor-in-chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. Our topic today is a bit outside the norm of what we usually feature on the show, so I want to offer some context before we get started. For those of you who were at ACG's Intergrowth Conference last year in Orlando, you probably heard from Alex Rodriguez, better known as A-Rod, when he gave his keynote interview on stage. You might also have seen a film crew following him around the hotel, and that's because during our event, he was taping an episode of his show, Back in the Game, for CNBC, which premiered earlier this month. The show's premise is that A-Rod mentors athletes who, like him, have made mistakes that damage their reputation or their finances, or sometimes both, like in the case of Olympic swimmer Ryan Lochte. Ryan is the subject of the second episode of Back in the Game, which aired last week. While he was filming with A-Rod at our conference, he agreed to sit down for an interview to talk about the show and his swimming career. If you saw that episode, you also saw me interview Ryan at the moment in the show when he proves whether or not he's taken A-Rod's coaching lessons to heart. This podcast features the rest of the audio that didn't make it in. For those who didn't see the episode, here's what Ryan's trying to come back from. In 2016, during the Rio Olympics, he was suspended from swimming for 10 months after vandalizing a gas station and lying about being robbed at gunpoint. Then, in 2018, he posted a picture of himself getting an IV injection, something that athletes are prohibited from doing in most cases, even when it's a permitted substance. That got him suspended from swimming once again, this time for 14 months. A number of his sponsors entered their deals with him, cutting off much of his income, On top of that, the swimming suspension prevented him from competing, hurting his chances of qualifying for the Tokyo Olympics in 2020. Ryan has gotten a lot of attention for his suspensions, and for his dyed hair during the last Olympics, or a reality show he had a couple years ago. All of that makes it easy to forget that Ryan Lochte is a 12-time Olympic medalist, which puts him in a tie for the second most decorated Olympic swimmer. If he gets to Tokyo and places in a single race, he'll secure that number two spot for himself. Some of you listening might not like Ryan Lochte, or maybe you don't care about him, or you don't think he belongs in this podcast feed. And you might be right, but I would argue that an Olympic athlete is essentially a business whose revenue is largely derived through sponsorship endorsements. As many companies have learned the hard way, repairing a damaged reputation is difficult, sometimes impossible. And often a comeback hinges on public opinion, something our guest today knows all too well. I'll leave it to you to decide whether we should be rooting for him in Tokyo. Here's my conversation with Ryan Lochte. I'm here today with Ryan Lochte. Ryan, thanks for joining me.
1: Yes, thank you for having me.
0: So how did your mentorship with Alex Rodriguez come about?
1: Um, well, I mean, the show is called Back in the Game. And if you don't know, um, I'm trying to get back in the game. Uh, after 2016, uh, I lost all my sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, yeah, it was a real lowest point of my life. And with Alex doing this show Back in the Game, um, they got me on board. And he's been helping me out a lot. So I've been learning a lot from him, and it's been going good so far.
0: Can you talk about some of the specific things that Alex is coaching you on?
1: Um, well, one of the things is public speaking. We're okay. still working on that. <laughs> um, but he's he's been definitely helping me with that and helping me with um, just financial stuff, um, being smarter in the decisions that I make. Um, when I was younger, I had all this money coming in and – not really worrying about the end product. Uh, I was just throwing money around carelessly, and it was now it's kind of biting me in the butt. Um, so he's been teaching me about that and just restoring um, my reputation.
0: And what do you hope to get out of back in the game once you're done filming?
1: Just I think one of the biggest things is my reputation. Um, you know, swimming has been has been. Part of my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, those kids that look up to me as a role model, Mm -hmm. I feel like I let those kids down. And that hurt me the most um, after 2016. So I've been trying to become a better person, a better man um, on a daily basis. And I want to become a better role model for those kids and show them that. That person in 2016 is not the same person that you see right now.
0: And, you know, you mentioned letting down some of your fans. Can you talk more specifically for, for someone who's maybe not familiar with what happened?
1: Um. Well, in 2016, um, I had a situation that went worldwide. And a lot of um, kids that thought that I was a role model to them, they lost hope or they didn't think I was a role model that they wanted to follow anymore. Mm-hmm. And to me, that crushed me because um, I know that's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not me at all. So I tried to better myself, learning some different steps um, that Alex has taught me, mm-hmm. that the, some, uh, the things that he went through um, growing up um, that he taught me and yeah, I'm just trying to be a better person mm-hmm. um, and, you know, still do what I love to do, and that's swim. So I am back in Florida training for my fifth Olympics um, and, you know, proving to everyone on just a better role model than I am mm-hmm. uh, to all the kids and, you know, most importantly to my family.
0: Talk about uh, what's what's been the most memorable moment for you from past games.
1: Um, uh, you know, there's a couple, uh, you know, definitely the first one is in 2008. I, um, my long time dream goal ever since I was a little kid first started swimming, learning how to swim. I wanted to become an Olympian, get an individual gold medal. And while doing that, break a world record. And that opportunity came in 2008. I won the 200 meter backstroke and I broke the world record. So that was like my dream come true. I was like, everything is coming into play. But I wasn't I wasn't done. I wasn't satisfied. I wanted more. Um, so I set my goals higher for the next Olympics and you know, training every day on a daily basis and uh, just beating your body up. And then finally having it come true is like everything. And then my second uh, my second biggest thing that happened, honestly it would happen in 2016 um my incident in rio Mm -hmm. um i don't know if that if that if that didn't happen to me um i would never have woken up um i would never have wanted to change i probably wouldn't have had the family that i have now um and i owe it all to that so i don't have any regrets of what happened Mm -hmm. um i learned from my mistakes and just becoming a, trying to become a better person from it. So those two incidents are things that kind of really, like, open up my eyes.
0: Why should America be rooting for your comeback after you have made a number of mistakes?
1: Um, because I, that's not who I am. Um, what you saw me or the reputation that I had... Um, back in 2016 and before that is not the person that I am today and I owe a lot of it mostly to my family of course um, and to Alex for trusting in me and believing in me and seeing someone that they no one else has seen mm-hmm. and I mean don't get me wrong I'm not perfect now um, I'm still trying to better myself on a daily basis um, but the journey that I've came from, and the journey that I'm still doing now is a 180. I guess you can say so. There's still more, more things I got to improve. You
0: mentioned your reputation. Is there something that you'd say the the public or the media gets wrong about you? Maybe something that you say they they <laughs> misunderstand.
1: Uh, you know, it's. The reputation that I used to have was the party boy. Um, I mean, just carelessly not caring about much but myself, and that's not the case. I guess that's what it just uh, perceived uh, me as. But I'm—I have a big heart. I care about pretty much everyone but myself, and especially to like my family, my son, uh, which changed my world, uh, and is still changing my world on a daily basis. Um, I just want to show him that when he looks at me, he's like, that's my dad. Um, And that's one of the reasons why I'm swimming for my fifth Olympics, is to prove to him, uh, my family, my wife, and soon to be my daughter, um, and to everyone out there that had a wrong opinion about me
0: and you know you mentioned your your reputation as someone who likes to party likes to have fun but i think what a lot of people forget is how much work goes into what you do as a competitive athlete and the type of training that's involved so i wonder if you can talk to us about um you know when you're at in a peak training period what does a day look like for you what time are you waking up what does your workout look like how many how many calories do you have to eat
1: (laughs) oh the good stuff all right um well, basically, I am staring at a black line in the pool for about four hours every day. <laughs> uh, so that's a lot of laps. I swim about nine times a week, Monday through Saturday. Um, in, And sometimes those days, I do doubles, morning and afternoon practice. And in between those practices, I have weightlifting, whether it's an hour of weightlifting or an hour of cardio. And so you're saying I'm doing about 30 to 35 hours a week of training for a race that only lasts about a minute and 55 seconds. So uh, a lot of work goes into it. And then when I come home, I have to just constantly eat. Um, I think that's why my boy is so big because he's eating with daddy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm also putting in like 8,000 calories a day. So I'm constantly eating and working out <laughs> and playing with my son.
0: <laughs> what do you see yourself doing after you retire from competitive swimming?
1: Mm. Full-time dad for sure. That's the number one thing um, is being in a full-time dad. Um, but outside of that, I can't swim forever. Um, I love, love working with kids. Mm-hmm. Um And teaching them things that I've, that helped me throughout my swimming career, Mm -hmm. teaching them and who knows, uh, maybe be as good as a public speaker as Alex was today. (laughs) So who knows?
0: (laughs) So I have one last question for you. I want to end by asking about a video that I saw that you posted on Instagram that showed you and A-Rod together in the gym. Yes. You're both athletes. You're both very competitive. When you guys are working out together, who goes harder?
1: I think that's the competitive edge that me and Alex have. Like, once you're in a sport, you just have that competitive edge, mm-hmm. um, and we always push each other. So, any if he if I was put to put him in the swimming pool he'd be like, if he could only do like three or four laps, he'd be like, I could do more. I can do more. So he's always pushing himself. And when we were in the gym, it was like, all right, what else can we do? What else are we going to do? So we're always pushing each other, always trying to one-up each other.
0: (laughs) Well, Ryan, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast.
1: Yes. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or Google Play, where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help other listeners find out about us. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Please email them to editor at I'd also encourage you to check out our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more content covering the middle market, private capital investment, and trends in middle market M&A.